Hello and welcome back to the Legendary Chiropractor Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Brent Janogan. This is Season 16, Episode 7. Tonight we have Dr. Haley Turpin. She's a graduate of Life University. She's a principled doctor of chiropractic. She is also a trauma-informed breathwork facilitator with over 200 hours of embodied training through the PAUSE Breathwork Certification Program. She is also a polyvagal-informed chiropractor through the Prana Foundation that focuses on Dr. Stephen Porges' polyvagal theory. Dr. Haley's mission is to help facilitate safety in the body so that one may have access to the innate knowledge and guidance within them. Dr. Haley is currently a chiropractor at Tree Hive Chiropractic in Parker, Colorado. Dr. Haley, thanks for being with us tonight. Thank you, Brent. Dr. Brent. I am so excited to be here. I know the conversation we're going to dive in tonight is just going to be a fun one. And uh, any conversation that goes that way, it's just the knowledge that comes out of your brain and out of our mouths. It's just really cool to get to see. And I'm excited that other people get to hear the types of conversations that I feel like we have. It's going to be fun. Mm, I'm so excited for this conversation. You always bring such amazing spice and life to life. And I'm just excited to dive in this conversation. But before we do that, let's hear from our amazing sponsors that allow this podcast to happen. Total Clinic Solutions is your go-to source for purchasing both brand new and refurbished chiropractic equipment, as well as phone support for repairs and maintenance. Call Derek and allow him to combine your wishes and his 23 years of chiropractic equipment expertise to find what's best for you and your patients at 704-622-4089 or head to TotalClinicSolutions.com now. True Cairo, helping chiropractors explode their practices and save more lives by shifting the perception of what they do from neck and low back pain to being about the brain and nervous system, leading to increased retention, more referrals, higher case averages, but most importantly, better patient outcomes for more than just neck and back pain. For more information, Check out the link below, truechiro.org. Again, that's truechiro.org. And we are back. All right, Dr. Haley, we are diving into something that's truly life-changing. It is profound. It is impactful. That is breath work. Mm-hmm. What is Yes, Brent. Sorry, go ahead. What were you saying? What is breath work? Can you inform us? That is a beautiful question. I've been asked by many friends, they're like, breath work? I breathe every day. I don't understand what, why you're raving about this. And Brent, I can tell you over all the years that I've done healing, I've seen coaches and therapists through my own journey. Um, breath work has truly changed my life because it's taken the transformation that I would see over nine to 10 months. And I will see that change in two to three months. It's just amazing. Wow. It's how much it's taking the work that we can do to heal ourselves and bringing it into the body. And for those of you who don't know what that means, trust me, we're going to dive heavily into what that means tonight to be in your body and do healing from that place. And breath work is the most profound tool that I've experienced to be able to self-regulate and drop into your body and do healing. Mm. So could you maybe guide us through a couple of breaths of what a breath work would be or feel like? 
Yeah, I would love to. That's actually great. The two of us can ground here together. Um, and what we'll do, Brent, just to bring some presence and set some intention for this conversation uh, with two people here, just being able to look each other in the eyes. We're going to take five really slow breaths in through the nose and letting it go out through the mouth. Okay, and I'll go ahead and start us here. All righty. And just like that, Brent, taking the time to be with another person, look each other in the eyes and really allow our bodies to share that space and to find that coherence with each other alone is so healing for so many people. And that was just a quick, quick example. And I don't know about you, but I feel a lot more grounded right now. <laughs> yeah, it was it, each breath. I felt like I was just getting more and more present. I was almost like a mm. buzz or like a like it's this little electrical shock where I was feeling more each breath. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so breath work, how did, how did we get into breath work? How did you become a facilitator? And how did you go, how did you find this foundation, the pause foundation and go mm -hmm. get or pause program it and go get certified? What led you to want to go to that link? That is a beautiful question. Thank you for asking that, because when I talk to students um, currently who are going through the program, my favorite thing to tell them is when you're in school, I know you've got tons of books you're diving into. I know you've got the test, you've got the exams, you're doing your practicals, but making sure that you are putting in time to do your own healing mm. is what's going to set you up for success in the way that you show up for people after. So for me, it was going through my own healing journey while in school. And for, for me, it was a lot of doing more of the feminine work, which is that inward, slowing down, meditation, really listening to my body, even though I had no idea what that meant at that time. And uh, where my journey started was for what I think most people begin, mental health is a big part of my history. So I had lost um, someone very close to my life. I'll go ahead and say it. I'm going to be transparent here. I lost my mother um, to suicide at a young age in college. And that really triggered a lot of questioning of things, right? Like, how did we get here? Who am I? What am I doing? Right? Those big questions in life that sometimes for some people, it takes a big um, trauma to happen for you to begin asking those questions. And the only place I knew where to begin was to go to talk therapy, right? Go find a therapist and talk about talk about your pain, right. talk about what happened, talk, talk, talk. And then it transitioned into, you know, getting into self-help books. So reading the books, watching the motivational speakers. And I was really gaining tools in my mind to help me begin to shift or try to make sense of what was going on. Right. What began to change is through working with a coach who was a trauma informed breathwork facilitator we would have conversations but she would always lead me into let's get into your body and i was like what does that mean and that is when she started really teaching me through the breath that when you get into your physical body that is the place where you truly store that trauma where the emotions that maybe at the time when trauma happens and when i say trauma it doesn't have to be 
you know, what I shared about my story. It could be, you know, not being heard. It could be someone um, gaslighting you, whatever that may be, and a longer path. But in the moment, if you did not have the capacity to adapt to it, it was there to serve a purpose, wasn't it? So your body's going to go, this happened for a reason, but you didn't have the capacity. So I'm going to go store it in your body. And when we go inward to process it, you will get what you needed out of it later. The problem is we are not trained or shown how to go inward to then process what happened. We just add all these traumas over years and years and years. And we wonder why we're sick and our capacity to handle stress just isn't very strong. So I lost track because I, I love it. So we got into the breath work. From there, uh, my coach, again, the, the change and transformation I was seeing over almost a year or two was happening in very short periods of time within months. And I was like, there's got to be something to this. I need to share the share breath work with the world. Truly, it became that big. I was like, people have this powerful tool with them every every moment of their lives, sleeping, waking, and they can access it at any moment and begin to heal and empower themselves into the world, the life that they desire for themselves and also heal, heal past trauma. And then that's when I joined, that was where my coach came from was the pause breath work. That's where I jumped in. That's amazing. And it's, <laughs> I love that you, I love that we always have our breath. You know, like I, I always, I'm always talking to my patients about, you know, find your breath, get in your breath. You're when you're on the table, take a couple of deep breaths and just, you're on a beach. It's like one of my favorite sayings. I'm like, you're on a beach. Just let it go. Just mm-hmm. find the warm rays, find the beach, like, you know, the, the tide of the ocean hitting the beach, like find something to slow you down because it seems like people are so dysregulated with their breath. They're caught up here. They're mm-hmm. <laughs> and, they're, and it's, they're hyperventilating. They're, they're not getting full breaths. They're not even getting mm-hmm. full diaphragmatic activity you know the activation mm-hmm. of the diaphragm you don't get full movement in full inhalation unless we really breathe into the belly and mm-hmm. that's more of a parasympathetic tone you know it's it's more of that oh oh that's nice and you mm-hmm. just let go versus being caught up here i find myself when I'm breathing here, I'm, I'm so much more anxious and I have a lot of guilt and worry and, and just, I feel, I feel overwhelmed when I'm up here in my breath versus in my belly with my breath. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing is Bryn is when you find like, let's say your power is coming from up here, even though long-term it's not serving you, you get to use where you're most resourced to feed into where your breath is not wanting to go instead of almost having to force, I'm not breathing here. And you can feel like, right, your intention, I'm forcing myself to, but there's something very special about honoring. Maybe I'm up here right now and there's a lot of shame in there and there's a lot of guilt, like you were saying, but that's where my life force is. That's still where my power is. Mm. But then how do you use that space to be able to go into the parts of yourself that are not feeling safe enough to welcome in that breath. And then they start to balance each other out. And that's where we really, when we talk about breath work, we get into doing work around your parts. Because when you start diving deep into this magical world of your body, you've got these parts of yourself. Some of your parts are holding on to trauma. Some of your parts are filled with shame. Some of your parts are just your your love. For Mm -hmm. me, it is in my heart. For some people, their gratitude and love is in their sacrum 
or in their, their power center, right? So it's knowing where your parts are and then how do they work together to feed into the parts that maybe aren't welcoming in that life force, that breath, but we can balance each other out whenever we know our parts better, but it takes getting into the body. <laughs> I love that um, you know, applied kinesiology talks about organ health and emotions that are mm. associated with different organs and how like the liver or the uh, was the liver, the pancreas and the gallbladder is like frustration, anger and mm. uh, rage or something like that. And so you'll find that if you have a lot of uh, frustration and anger, things are, are very um, they, they cause you to respond impulsively and very aggressively. That typically is associated with the liver or mm -hmm. if the stomach or the pancreas and it's you know there's also they there's different um techniques in chinese uh eastern medicines that actually have correlations to organs for uh masculine versus feminine energies mm -hmm. the you know the liver i believe was connected to the father as well as frustration and anger mm -hmm. so it's interesting whenever you're having quote-unquote daddy issues yeah uh, that could draw forward some aggression or some frustration, which then typically we go to the bottle. Mm -hmm. That could just be some type of manifestation for not dealing with some emotions. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see that a lot. You really start to see people's actions um, and how tied in they are with things going on inside of our body, whether we're aware of it or not which is why I say, wouldn't you prefer to have the awareness of it? Because you still know you're making the choice. Mm. That's, I mean, for me, that is what I love is at least I'm aware of it. When I go to bake my cookies, chocolate chip cookies are my, my thing. I at least know the awareness of Haley, you are going to bake these cookies, these little sugar bombs because you're stressed and you know, you know that you are wanting to numb something. But you know what, Dr. Brent, when I still do it, I know it was my choice. Mm. Does it happen near as often? Absolutely not. Because nine times out of 10 with that awareness, I'm like, you know, this isn't going to serve you long term. But even when I do, it was my choice. I had the awareness that that is an action I take when I have usually shame come up or a lack of or unworthiness that comes up. I'm like, Whoo, let's go fill my body with sugar. I don't want to feel that. That's heavy. <laughs> and if we, we find that we revert to substances like sugar to offset emotions like you know I, uh, the saying from that Austin Powers movie is like eat because I'm unhappy and I'm unhappy because I eat mm -hmm. I used to I used to be that way you know I used mm -hmm. to be heavier and I would eat because I was unhappy but I was unhappy with my body because I was mm -hmm. eating all the time and and it was uh it wasn't until I became aware and I, I started to sit with my body that I started mm -hmm. to find answers of you know maybe I shouldn't eat you know, 12 donuts in one sitting. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> I love that. And look where you are now. I mean, I, truly, I it's super inspiring to see that the way you take care of yourself physically, because that is the foundation, right? That's the foundation before you jump into mental, emotional, and spiritual health is taking care of your body. And I can say this with so much confidence that you are such a leader, especially during school when it was easy to have excuses. Um, you were always in the gym. You were always prioritizing and learning new things to take care of your, your physical health better. So a great example right in front of me. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, it's just, I want to inspire to inspire others. So 
like be the be the example we are we're doctors we are the epitome of health and well and i want to be mm-hmm. for other people to look at me and say i want to be able to achieve that too and maybe look back <sighs> you absolutely can Mm-hmm. You absolutely can. And Brent, I want to mention what you were saying about, you know, your habits of noticing um, that you're eating, but then you're unhappy with your body. There comes a point where what I find for most people is when you start going to those outside substances or habits to numb what you're feeling in the inside. And in fact, I'm going to put it out there. The world promotes it. Like you don't want to deal with what's in front of you. You don't want to have that hard conversation with your partner. Guess what you can pick up in two seconds, your phone, and you can distract yourself. And it's still, it is numbing you from feeling discomfort or whatever emotion you're feeling in your body. And I say this because this comes back to my, my mission that I shared with you of like bringing safety to the body, because when you are so used to numbing yourself and feeling the sensations and this uncomfortable emotions in your body year after year, after year, after year. It's no wonder that I have adults lying on the table and you ask them to take a deep belly breath. They have no idea what you're talking about, nor do they want to, because them getting out of their mind and going, bringing their conscious awareness, their consciousness into their body in that present moment means they feel so much and they don't know if they can handle that consciously or unconsciously. That's hard for so many people in our world today. And that's why my number one priority is safety, 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 knowing that you can trust that you can go in and feel these hard things from your past or current reality and that you are going to be supported. You're going to be heard. You're going to be okay. Your needs are going to be met. And um, people just are unaware of that entire concept because they've just been numbing for so many years. And that's why I'm very passionate about this. Well, I love that you brought that up because I really think that's a big part of doing breath work. You know, in my own experience, um, I've done a lot of different kinds of breath work just with like being exposed to the, the f- amazing friend group that I have and them diving in and just trying to be better versions and becoming better versions of themselves. And me just secondhand being exposed to, you know, activation breath work or holotropic mm-hmm. breath, work, which are much different than, you know, I, I would assume that how you do breath work and, and teach breath work as a facilitator. But in my own experience, it was I, I had to get out of my own way and stop playing small because I had let other people project their their mm-hmm. narrative, their story onto me and I was accepting what other people were telling of me versus me telling my story. And no one and everyone has a story, right? Everyone has an origin story. It's like it's a, when you pick up a book, you have to read the first couple of chapters to gather context of the character, then build the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. At some point, our life is very similar to that book. The first half of it may be written, and you get to write the rest of it if you pick up the pen. And I, mm-hmm. and it wasn't really until I started to become aware that I was not le- I was not living my life how I wanted to for me and I was living it for other people. And that's a very external, uh, exteroceptive pers- perspective, mm-hmm. you know, um, diving into yourself. That's very interoceptive. That's an internal perspective that you're turning the lens internal. Some people call it, you know, the mirror, the sacred mirror, looking at your, your own sacred mirror and mm-hmm. healing yourself. And that's an internal reflective state of introspection of introspection and yeah 
whenever you're when you're looking outside for things external, you're looking at your phone and you're looking at, you know, perhaps you're watching YouTube videos or podcasts of your favorite motivational coach <laughs> or someone like that. You're looking for external mm-hmm. in- input and that input is something that's outside of you. And a lot of people are very much so stuck in that state of exteroceptive um, perception they they don't want to stop and go in. Uh, I see mm-hmm. the screening events. You're like, when's the last time you had your spine checked? They're like, I don't have a spine. Excuse me. I, how are you walking, sir? How are you walking? <laughs> and, and it's like the people, people are willing to just not look at it. They're, they don't mm-hmm. want to look at themselves because they, yeah. they do. They have to actually start doing the work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The work, right? Yeah. The work. And what I'm hearing, when I'm hearing you speak, it's, it just reminds me of how much gratitude I have for the breath, how much love I have for the breath, because that is what the, well, that is what the breath, the breath, the breath living in you, the breath living in me, the breath teaches me is that we are meant to have this dance between inhalation and exhalation, inhalation, exhalation, going out into the world, doing the masculine work, as I call it, exhalation, going inward, doing the feminine work. And they are both meant to serve a purpose. And when you have spent years and years and years, let's say in the masculine, the outside world, that's why people who suddenly have big life events, they just for years, it's like they become a hermit. They go and do this healing because to make up for all that time they were in the masculine, they have this massive exhale and contraction where they go in and shake up this whole world and feel their feels deal with their trauma and it does shake things up, but you're supported the entire time. The right people come into your life. It's always perfect. But then what happens is you start to learn these things along the path and you start to realize, Ooh, wait, there's a dance here. I go back into the external world, but I don't have to stay there as long because that leads to burnout most of the time if I'm not doing it right. Or truthfully, it just will because you're not meant to be an inhalation. It's not how the breath flows. So you go out into the external world, you rub up against the edge of growth. You were talking before about what this edge of growth was. I forget the term that you use, but that discomfort that you begin to feel, which is necessary. But when that happens, if you truly are listening and feeling and following that intuition, what I have found to be true in my life and in other people's lives I've observed is you naturally come back into that feminine state. You go inward, you heal, because you're never done healing, right? No. <laughs> we're here to do that. Long as you're- um, you go in, exactly. We're here to evolve, right? So you go inward and you shake up the internal energy world. And what happens is while you're inward and you're doing that, at the same time, your outward world is expanding energetically. And so then you go back out, you come in and it starts to happen quicker. I think as you get more skilled with it, it because you start to fall into that flow. Um, but what that expansion can feel like for a lot of people is, you will, people end up moving maybe into bigger spaces. Your, your business ends up growing, your community and relationships expand because now you have the energy and capacity to hold that space because you went inward and created that capacity. Your external ends up reflecting it, but there's still work to do. That's the masculine drive. You go, you know, you go into the energetic field and do the things, create, build the business, take the action steps to fill the space. You create it while you were internal creating it from within in the feminine it, it it's just it's such a simple concept like when 
when I when I first started doing any type of breath work, I was like, this is crazy. I'm like, this is <laughs> like this isn't gonna happen. This isn't gonna work. This isn't gonna do anything. And there's actually a lot of science on how we breathe and the way we breathe. Um, you know, Wim Hof did a lot of research on uh, being able to fight off what neurotoxins, cold water exposure, how it uh, de-stresses the the nervous system by putting yourself into a very um, <laughs> physically demanding state that requires a lot of presence that the body will always seek survival. The biological machine, the human, is always seeking to survive, to continue to survive. We immerse ourselves in cold water. Um, all of our blood pulls out of our extremities and goes into the core to keep the internal organs alive and keep them warm. Um, it's so fascinating how we can put ourselves in extreme environments or extreme exposures and the body adapts. And that's a very much so a soma uh, somatic autonomic response. That's a, a nervous system response on how we're responding to a said stimulation. You know, mm -hmm. we, we could dive into the psychology of that, but I, I don't think that's necessarily the, the conversation we want to have right now. But um, it's just so fascinating that breath work can change the state in which you operate. Like, mm -hmm. It can physiologically change how your hormones are responding, how your physiology is responding to the environment, internal versus external, the conversation mm -hmm. you're having. Um, one thing you talked about was flow and mm -hmm. as you uh, as you meditate or you do breath work and i feel like breath work leads to that meditative state it you can't it's kind of they, they go hand in hand mm -hmm. find it well what i'll tell you is i actually so for a lot of people breath work leads to a meditative state but one thing i actually wanted to make sure i stay here say here is that knowing what season of life you're in and testing the tools that are out there is is necessary because you could say breathwork sounds amazing dr haley oh my gosh tell me all about it and in in this season of life where your nervous system is i 100 believe that we can find a way to support yourself but right now meditation alone and just getting silent and journaling may be the best tool to get you to the next step for some people meditation is like absolutely not that's the one place i hear my thoughts and that can't happen right that's the season of life that they're in and so asking someone to go sit in silence just out of nowhere is is torture um it's not helping their nervous system at all and so using tools like breath work where you can actively think about it to initiate it so your thoughts have space and attention and some love you know they have a purpose there and then naturally that breath just takes over and get you into that meditative state Absolutely. That's the easiest, I believe. But for some people, that activation is actually too much, especially for people who've been, you know, we mentioned polyvagal, we mentioned the neurology side of things, people who've been stuck in dorsal vagal for so long, even that little bit of activation, their nervous system says, absolutely not. And so being more gentle when they are introducing the breath, it would be flipped for them. So I'm saying this because when you're trying out these different tools, give yourself grace to say not in this season, but I'm excited to try it later because then you start to build the capacity as your nervous system heals to use multiple tools all the time. But start where you are. And I just want to reiterate that because I feel like that point right there is absolutely so pertinent in every single person's life. Everyone can use that. Um, I hear so often, oh, I'm, 
I'm not ready to start this or, uh, Oh, I'm just, I'm not a insert this guy. I'm not, a, I'm, I don't do breath work or I'm not a, I'm not a breath worker or, you know, whatever, whatever story a person tells themselves or wants mm -hmm. to create for themselves. And it, you have to have grace. You have mm -hmm. to honor where you are and where you want to be and where you want to go. You can't just become a professional at anything overnight. Mm -hmm. It takes 10,000 hours. Mm -hmm. You know, even for myself, sitting down to journal to do breath work or to meditate, uh, I find I'm resistant to it at times. Mm -hmm. Where uh, Andrew Huberman in the Huberman Lab, he calls it limbic friction. And mm -hmm. it's going against the grain, it's putting yourself in that state because it is uncomfortable. And that's where the growth lies by leaning into the friction and leaning mm -hmm. into that you refer to it as like the masculine you know mm -hmm. leaning into the masculine and getting getting that that pushback yeah. and mm -hmm. leaning into the feminine and getting supported and mm -hmm. and then coming yeah. back and it's that mm -hmm. dynamic equilibrium where you're always moving seeking homeostasis but always in perpetual motion. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings up such a great point in my mind because I just experienced this yesterday, actually. I've been doing breathwork officially, like diving into breathwork for almost two years now. Wow. And um, even last night, just with the season I'm in, I went to a beautiful group breathwork experience, which is extreme. The most powerful you can do is just really allow yourself to be with a community to be able to work with each other. But um, even though I was going into such a beautiful feminine experience, which is meant for you to surrender and let the breath and the body do all of the work for you. Like how nice does that sound? You don't have to do anything. Your breath is going to do everything for you. Surrender into that feminine flow. If your intention is to still, your underlining intention still has that masculine tone of, I need to heal this now. I am laying down, putting my eye mask on and I'm going to, I mean, that's masculine. Like, what are you doing? You know, and your body is still going to sit there and look at you. I literally pictured, finally, I surrendered. I pictured this other self just looking at me so peacefully, but she's like, are you done yet? Like, are you done yet? You're still trying to force change even by using these tactics. And so taking time to even ask yourself, what is my intention? because this is a beautiful invitation to step into that surrender, but you can bring that masculine tone into it. And when you wonder why it's not working, sometimes you need to take a step back and just ask yourself, what is my intention going into this? And how can I surrender? <laughs> well, I love that because I've, I've experienced that and it's always, I call it an ego death, right? When I have to, mm -hmm. I have to move past where my current ego is holding me at, and I find that resistance point where it's a threshold and I have, I feel like I'm cocooned and I have to emerge into a new being. And I, and I feel that I go through seasons of this and it's, it's a reemergence. It's, it's like a Phoenix. Um, Ambrose, Dr. Ambrose Cole and I talked a little bit about rebirth and redeath and how you go through almost like a Phoenix. You, you have to surrender to the death of your ego mm -hmm. so that it may emerge anew and more powerful and move forward to protect you through the next journey of life, that next chapter you're experiencing. And it's so true. And, and you, yeah. 
you bring that masculine ego into it where you're trying to control it and I'm going to put it in a box and so what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to bring <laughs> and then I'm only going to heal this much. This is all I want to heal. But mm-hmm. like, no, you silly human. It's like, you're mm-hmm. so much more than what you think you are. So just allow yeah. yourself to just surrender mm-hmm. to the experience and then be like B capital B E. Yes. I love it. That just makes me want to just put my arms up. <laughs> and I love that you brought that up because the ego has played such a beautiful part of my, my experience with breath work. And again, when I was more in the mindset shift, right? release the ego. Don't, don't act from a place of ego. There's just a lot of negativity I've, I've personally experienced when it came to learning who the ego is. And in the past year or so, I'm like, my ego, we know serves a purpose. There are times where we need to say, okay, how can I build a relationship with my ego? Knowing that my ego has needs, my ego has the most beautiful desires. Oh my gosh. Like the moment I was given permission to let my ego have desires, my life changed because your ego gets to play a part of the story. And the more you actually try to push the ego away or kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it, right? Like continuous mm-hmm. ego deaths one after another without allowing the ego to actually play a very, very beautiful part of your life. Um, the more that you won't embody your ego as much. Your ego, you just start to notice when your ego starts to get really loud and you're just like, Ooh, okay, we're getting to that point. What do you need? Like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And then it's more of a conversation versus this like, and I'm, I've had very dramatic ego deaths. I think I'm going through one right now, actually. <laughs> but um, it's like, it doesn't, ha- how hard does it have to be? You know, how hard does it have to be? I don't think, you know, stepping out of a living in a place of ego has to be big and dramatic like a lot of people will talk about or experience it really can become knowing this part of yourself and when to have a conversation with your ego and making sure you're not embodying it as you're creating the life you desire like we talked about it's it's just i've, I've read so many books by like eckhart tolle alan watts um fitch non yet and just diving into the spiritual quest of like you know the ego and the self and um and it is it's it's you have the duality of your existence is loving both your shadow and your mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah i feel like i i pursued the ego death really hard initially because i that was what i was trying to kill was my ego mm-hmm. and then i as myself emerged it was i was still objectifying and killing my ego and then it was now it's overbearingly feminine and then mm-hmm. now it's the balance of trying to yeah. get to to be able to just sit with each other and enjoy each other's presence yeah yeah it's almost it's uh inner child work is a whole other thing but it is almost like you're talking to a child sometimes right because your future self that higher part of you is so intelligent right and we have access to that when we're getting in the body and truly listening and being able to feel the subtleties of that guidance because it's whispers right the ego is really loud and always controlling but I actually had an experience this week that I'd love to share because it was so beautiful. But I was doing this energy work again. I've been in a very masculine place, even when entering these experiences. I'm like, I've got something to fix. There's a block here. Like, why am I going through whatever I'm going through right now? And so I went into this energetic experience and I'm sitting here trying to like go up, right? Like I'm trying to tap into this higher self and give me the answers so that I can move through this now. And then all of a sudden it's like, I look down 
And my little ego is just sitting there like, why are you abandoning me? Like you keep trying to like break through and become this self, but like I have needs also. And like my, and like I felt it as my ego, like my ego was so upset because like how much energy work and spiritual work are you going to do for me to die? Like I do have a part here and like, you're making me want to hold on more, but like, I'm done. I'm exhausted. <laughs> and, and then I just came down. And, and when we had a conversation, that is when things really shifted. That was the surrender, right? It was just like, oh, you do have a voice also. You do. And it's important. Yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so you mentioned dorsal vagal, and that, that's not a term I'm super common with. Uh, but before we jump into that, I want to hear from our amazing sponsors that allow this podcast to happen, and then we'll jump right into that. Imaging Services' primary business is chiropractic solutions. With over 45 years in the industry of helping chiropractors, Michael Tokash offers free consultations on building your business. In the past year, Imaging Services has installed over 100 x-ray machines and digital x-ray systems in over 42 states across the United States. For more, head to theimagingservices.com. And we are those amazing sponsors that allow this podcast to happen truly are exceptional. Mm-hmm. So... so you- you're sorry, you're saying you're asking about dorsal vagal, correct? Yeah, dorsal vagal. What what does that mean? I've heard I've heard of dorsal vagal and ventral vagal, but enlighten us. Let's let's talk about it. So this is when we start getting to the sciencey part, right? Um, which is super fun for my people who I want the reason, I want the knowledge behind what all this energy work you're talking about. Sounds nice. What's going on? Um, and so when we get into polyvagal theory. We are specifically talking about the vagus nerve, which is also known as the wandering nerve because it goes all, it leaves from your brain, it goes all throughout the body, and it is really monitoring that internal state that we're talking about, but from a visceral level, okay? So dorsal vagal is actually when we are in that dormant state, that stuck state, this is where we usually see people who've been chronically, in fight or flight for so long that their body has run out of so much energy that they swing into that dorsal vagal state. And this is when we start start to tend, tend to see people who tend to isolate. They don't have a lot of energy. They might be easily depressed. There's just not a lot of life in them. Um, and when people are stuck there, it's really hard to get out. But that's what I have found is really where people end up after years and years of not living and they're authentic life power that we've been discussing for this entire call. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've, I've heard that called um, a functional freeze where it's mm. simply you're, you're stuck in a, a program loop where you're, you don't break out of that feedback loop. You're, you're essentially running the same programs over and over and over. Uh, potentially uh, it could be out of fear of change. Or well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, one to say i think that's a subjective uh experience based on the individual but functional freeze like myself with my own experiences like ptsd and depression uh, i would i'll catch myself where i'll start to seclude myself or isolate myself and i'll start pulling away from people and 
that's a functional freeze pattern where it's a feedback loop where I'm negatively, uh, I'm creating negative feedback in myself by reducing my contact with people to isolate myself because I'm pulling away out of fear of connection. Mm. I love that you shared that. Like, thank you so much. And this comes back to, to me, the importance of meeting yourself where you're at, because when we are meant to be in cycles, right. As humans. And when we start to have these breakthroughs and we're meditating for 30 minutes a day, and then I'm doing breath work during my lunch break, you're doing all the things and you're thriving, you're feeling abundant, you're feeling love, you're feeling gratitude your unique winter is going to come around at some point, right? Whether that's in winter or that's in the summer, your unique season where things come to the surface because they're meant to, um, this is when you might find yourself potentially in what I'm hearing. I've never heard that term before, but where you find yourself in a loop and you're like, I don't know where to get out of this. It, you are able to meet yourself where you're at. And for me, it's been starting from the beginning. I'm like, where did I first start my health journey? Mm. I'm like, gratitude practice. That's like the easiest thing for me able to get a pen and paper out. And no matter what mood I'm in, I can start writing down gratitude. And what I notice is doing that consistently, again, it doesn't matter. I'm not shifting my energy. I'm not doing breath work. I'm not doing anything crazy. All I have the capacity for is to show myself, show up for myself for 10 minutes and write 10, 10 things I'm grateful for. And maybe, and having an accountability partner is really huge too. Co-regulation, having that support, showing you don't have to be alone. And what you'll find is that life energy just starts to spark a little bit more. And you're like, okay, maybe my next step is I'm going to go for my walks. I haven't been doing my walks. No run, no crazy exercise, even though maybe before you were maxing out, you know, you're not comparing yourself to that last cycle. Give yourself grace and say, right now, I started a new cycle. Let's start from the beginning. What I tend to find is each cycle, though, when you come back to this place, you get through it much quicker. You're not gonna be, and I, I'm saying the word staying, there's nothing wrong with like, do all the things, but like your comparison of like, what's a good meditation or what's a good breathwork session, you're gonna move through those steps so much quicker and be back where you were and more, um, and you'll, you'll shock yourself. But like, I truly believe we have these resets and they usually tend to come after ego death, from my understanding. It's like a reset of like, who am I again? Holy shit. And then, you, then you've just got to start from those basics and build up from there again. And that's when your tool belt begins to um, just really build up. Yeah. Well, I, I love that you're, you're really talking about leaning into the discomfort, right? Like you, you have to lean outside of your comfort zone. I know that Suki Mooker, uh, he was the first person that really exposed me to um, expanding yourself in meditation and pushing your boundaries. You know, you, you don't have to push yourself 30%, 50%, 70%. Like 10% is perfect. Just mm -hmm. 10%. Give yourself 10% more and you're not going to overexpose yourself. You're not going to go beyond something that you're able to, to be able to... Um, experience and and i think really integrate because if you give yourself 10 percent, you're you're stepping outside of your known comfort zone into that 10 percent of discomfort which it can be uncomfortable for some people 10 percent can be a lot so mm -hmm. some people that you know people that climb mount everest you know their exposure 
That's 80%. They need 80% exposure. So they're like, I need to really push myself mm-hmm. to the brink of death to really hit that threshold. But that doesn't always have to be that way, right? I mean, it, it can mm-hmm. be, um, depending on the season, just sitting down and spending 10 minutes. Um, the research, I believe, is anywhere from 5 to 13 minutes of just silence and just sitting and listening and being creating awareness has shown scientific results or clinical results that improve focus, decrease mm-hmm. stress, uh, improve, improve cognitive uh, thought process. Uh, what was, what else was it? It was um, increased mood, you know, hormonal mm-hmm. and just using your breath to help facilitate that is, I, I just, I, I keep I keep thinking about the movie Wally, where <laughs> towards the end of it, everyone's sitting in, you know, their floating chairs with the TV screen in front of them, and they have food constantly being poured into them. Mm-hmm. So they're obviously not healthy, and mm-hmm. they're not using their body. So it's like, are they breathing? It's yeah. like, are we are we being trained not to breathe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The I mean, being programmed being programmed. And as we, as we mentioned a little bit ago in the conversation, having that choice and doing this work to be able to go inward and, um, it's taking ownership of your life. Like I truly believe that like doing this work and having that space to question, you know, where in my day, Joe Dispenza is one of my favorite people. I've been following him for, for years and his meditations I do when I right now in the season in the mornings and at night and the night, the evening ones is all about reflecting on your day and where in your day did you go from conscious action thoughts and behaviors into unconscious thoughts and programs and just being able to reflect on your day and say, Oh, okay. I checked out there. I was totally running off a program in that moment. You ask yourself, so what would you have done if you were in choice and consciously choosing those thoughts and actions? And then the next day, what ends up happening is you are in the moment, taking that time to be still. You're going to start showing up more consciously all throughout your day, more and more and more, which is when you know that you are creating your life because you're not running off those programs that the world is constantly trying to tell you what to do, eat, buy, who to be with, what relationships look like. It's like, why don't I say what relationships look like, you know? And that's when you take your power back is you give yourself that space and that time to create so that you can show up knowing that you're in choice in each moment of the day. I love that. And so how can how can we access polyvagal theory with breath work? Do those two overlap? Can we, can, are they, they interconnected? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, I love, absolutely. (laughs) This is where I start to nerd out. So we know this is all about the nervous system, right? And so as chiropractors, this is where, where we thrive. Um, Specifically when we're talking polyvagal, um, the breath alone physically is you're having that energy and that motion going in through the body and out through the body. So it's already massaging that vagus nerve. That's why people use other tools like gargling water, humming, using your voice to activate your vagus nerve and helping with vagal tone um, to be able to change your state, have a healthier adapting nervous system, right? So physically, the breath alone, just having conscious awareness of the breathing and doing consistent patterns is very healthy for your 
vagus nerve, making sure the tone is taken care of. Um, when it comes to facilitating, as well as just diving into your own breathwork experience, it's really knowing where the person's nervous system is at, right? So I mentioned a little bit before, if someone's at dorsal vagal state, and that is their resting state, we're not going to jump in and say, we're going to do a triactive breath in, or we're going to do holotrophic breathing, and you're going to just expand all of this energy. It's like, whew, my nervous system is not even prepared. There is such thing as traumatizing yourself through healthy things such as breathwork, which is why we are trauma-informed. And being able to recognize when someone is actually traumatizing themselves, usually I find by what their intention may be. Like, I want to break past this. I'm going to force this. Mm. We do enough of forcing in the world. No, we're going we're gonna to flow into it. We're going to surrender into it. So someone who's more in a dorsal vagal state as a resting tone, we're going to take it really gentle, very easy, and probably do a lot more stillness and just listening to the breath. And then honoring that when the breath is ready, the breath is going to pick up the pace and it's going to go at its own timing. And that's where you start to learn how to build self-trust and self-respect for what you can handle. What does that 10% look like for me? Mm. That's where you start to ask those questions. Someone who is um, more in that sympathetic tone, right? Sympathetic is beautiful. Um, and I'm saying this because I think when we get into chiropractic education, it's very easy to say, like, we want to take you from sympathetic and bring you down to parasympathetic, right? Fight or flight, bring you to rest and digest. That's where we heal. And I think that's still great because most people are living in sympathetic most of the time. But education-wise, understanding that sympathetic serves a purpose, right? To push us out those comfort zones so that we grow and um, build higher tolerance, it's necessary. But if someone's in that chronic sympathetic state, they have a lot of energy, they don't know how to slow themselves down, their mind's racing 100 miles per hour. All right, we're still going to use slowing that breath down to be able to uh, just bring us into parasympathetic. Okay. Now, my favorite is when we're in ventral vagal, which is more of your socializing. Um, we are able to connect with people very easily. We're able to have flexibility between sympathetic, parasympathetic. We have a very healthy being. We are able to use breath to ramp up your system so that we can practice holding more energy and stepping into whatever it is you desire, right? So some of those higher frequencies that require a lot of energy, abundance, um, stepping into that higher self, like feeling who you are with more energy, we're able to access those areas. And so we're going to use breath patterns that are going to purposely activate you into that place so that you're going outside of that 10%, right? That 10% outside of what your current edges of your energy field so that we can train our nervous system for this to be the new norm. And I like that, um, resting state is something my mentor says a lot in, Breathwork is when we're doing these practices, what we're ultimately doing is we're creating new resting states. Because if this is my resting state right here, there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. Okay. But when we can use the breath consistently to raise our resting state to a frequency of gratitude, to a frequency of love, we're already at a high resting state. And our ability to have these highs and lows, but still remain resting here becomes our being like why is it that um she's just grateful all the time i'm not having to trick myself into being grateful all the time i've made it so that my resting state is at this frequency and when i have my lows because we're human it's going to happen my resting state goes whoop right back up to here this is my norm and we have 
tools to be able to decide where our resting states are during different seasons. That's so fascinating because you can you can use your breath to modulate the state in which you live your life and how you mm-hmm. experience life. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it comes down to with what you just said, it comes down to creating space for all of it. Because in order for you to choose your resting state, you have to know that at the same time that you're choosing love, right? You're choosing gratitude. At the same time, there are still parts of you because you're human that have shame. There's still parts of you that have anger and fear and all these emotions that are a beautiful part of the human experience. But most of us don't want to feel it at all. What ends up happening is they build and build and build to where we have no choice and it ends up becoming our resting state. It's almost like we get pulled down instead of being here and letting those parts of ourselves have space, be heard, be seen be expressed, go grab your pillow, go scream. It's one of my favorite new activities. I love screaming <laughs> um, and allow those parts to still have space in who you are and surround yourself around people who also know that and love that and provide safety for you to be able to express those parts of you. And because it has room, you're able to still have the capacity to say, I see you and I still choose this. I see you, I hear you, I feel you. And because I allow it to come up, be felt and flow out, I have the capacity to still choose my resting state and have that space. Mm, Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely does because in my own experience, um, I was struggling with expression. I was Mm. struggling with allowing my emotions. I had bottled my emotions up for so long that whenever I started to allow my emotions to be exposed, I didn't know how to express my emotions. I didn't know how to be expressive. Um, I typically over poured and that sometimes can be very um, off putting to a lot of people because you have to figure out how to be expressive, how to, how to express your emotions, how to emote your mm-hmm. And in my own experience, uh, I came across a, a dance, a traditional ceremonial dance that's held in Japan that they actually have professional actors and dancers that will dress up as specific emotions and they will embody that emotion. Mm. And as they dance through the city, they embody that emotion so intently and innately that when you see the person performing the gestures and the, the expressive emotions as they're moving, that then draws up that emotion inside you and actually um, you release it and you give it to the person and they they then mm. embody and continue moving forward. So it's almost like a, a release, um, yeah. like a ceremonial release of your emotions because we do have these emotions inside of us. Um, the book, The Body Keeps the Score, is a phenomenal read <laughs> that dives into how our nervous system retains information and stores it until we go in, we look at it, we express it, we integrate it, and we allow it to no longer become static. You know, um, emotion is energy in motion. And emotions that are not in motion, they are static, stuck, they are dissonant, and they are, they're not allowing you to be at your, your highest expressive mm-hmm. vibration or expression. Yeah. Not only is, this is my favorite thing to say, 
not only is stored emotions, stored energy in the body, right? Because they're not being expressed, but that is your stored potential. Those places that you're wanting to go, guess where you're going to get that energy from, buddy? Going inward and taking all that balled up energy, that's your stored potential that's ready to go out and make moves into the world. Like, how exciting is that? You got it right there. Go access it. But I'm, I'm glad you brought up expression because, you know, that's a huge conversation I've been having with people is when we do things like breath work or energy work where we're moving and shifting energy. I love that. But having that safety, like we've talked about, not only to feel like that's what I would say would be another level is like, okay, I have safety in my body. I can go feel these parts of myself. What do I do with them? That is when you have tools to go express. And that is a very important part of the process. If not, it's like you bring all this stuff up to the surface and you're like, oh, I see my anger. I see my grief and it's heavy. And we can actually begin to embody it. Like you're saying, like, we'll show up that way because we just don't, we're trying our best to do the work, but we don't know what to do with these emotions. Mm -hmm. But we have not been taught how to express it. Not only have we not been taught, but a lot of us have seen unhealthy ways that these emotions have balled up either in the family unit or in interactions with relationships we've had in the past. And so then you're fearful of it in general. It's like, I don't know what to do with it. And I'm actually scared because the way I've seen it expressed was not healthy for me or anybody else around me. And that usually is coming from a good place of, I don't want to hurt people when I'm angry. So I just won't be angry. And it's like, it will come out. I promise. <laughs> but um, coming to that, that is where when you're breathing, in order for you to create relationships of safety as a reflection, we know comes from having safety in your own body, that when you have anger come up, you are going to stay with that and honor that anger and still love that anger. You're not going to be the one who says judgment, shame. You're not allowed to have anger. So having that safety within yourself, that those emotions are okay and a natural part of the human process, begins to attract relationships that are able to help co-regulate when, let's say, I'm feeling anger for the first time and it doesn't always come out healthy. I'm actually going through this right now. I'm very blessed to have people in my life who are very safe for me to have anger spills or like get a little sassy. And I'm like, <laughs> and I get to go back and say, I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm practicing using my voice for the first time in years. And it came out in an explosive way. And having people who are able to say, I still love you. That's okay. I mean, let's talk about it. Let's talk about tools to like be able to communicate differently, but I know it's okay. You're going to attract a whole different environment. And I, it just, I feel like just reiterating this, you know, you, you talked about building a relationship with your ego. And I really think that that, that goes back to that conversation of just surrendering and accepting and not judging you know the, the i think one of the hardest things in today's society is to not judge yourself or another person we have all of these external influences that are telling us what we should look like what we should dress like what we should talk like what we should drive what we should wear you know all the material 3d things we're being told what we should be and do but how many of us are asking those questions internally and getting the answers and then going out and doing them and 
doing it unconditionally with love, mm -hmm. grace, gratitude, and honesty, radical honesty with yourself. If you're miserable at your job and you don't want to be there, quit. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it, you know, we don't have to subject ourselves to misery. Mm -hmm. I feel like, especially in America, we've, we've you know, that's what we've built ourselves up and yeah. what we're doing. But I want to go over a couple of things because um, some call to actions. I love to leave some call to actions for the group. And you talked about gratitude practice, doing a daily gratitude practice or even a weekly gratitude practice, setting some goals for gratitude practice, preferably doing it daily. Mm -hmm. um, also, an accountability partner. If you're looking to dive in to do breath work and to do some more internal work accountability and having someone that's going to hold you there to hold you responsible, do it with you or just hold you to the standard that you set for yourself. Um, ownership of your life, being in charge of your life. You are the master of your vessel. You are the master of your destiny. You have to believe that. And I really think that's, that's a part of the work as well is learning how to be the master of yourself. Uh, choosing your resting state. I love this because being able to choose what what our resting state is, or am, am I going to be that high anxiety, you know, caffeine driven, adrenal fatigue person, or am I going to be cool, calm, collective, rested, you know, under control, like understanding where I'm at, how I'm feeling, how I'm responding to my internal environment as well as my external environment. Then emoting, getting your expressive nature out there, learning to get uncomfortable, diving into that limbic friction. If you don't, if you're embarrassed to go out and dance, take dance. Watch some YouTube <laughs> videos, you know, like go out there and just like, I dance around the house all the time because no one's watching. And when I, when I go out in public, if I'm comfortable dancing at home, I'm probably going to dance in public because I'm doing a little jig and I think it's cool. So it builds confidence. <laughs> Learning to express yourself really does build confidence. And finally, having safety within yourself and your expressions. Hmm. Did I did I miss anything? Did you want to add anything to that call to action list? I think that's a beautiful list. Yeah, you did great. <laughs> Thanks. I think you know just building building a list and building some goals so we can move forward and continue to do the mm -hmm. show up be a better mirror, a bigger, mm -hmm. brighter mirror. And I, I do have something to add. Sorry. Go a very important ad actually is going back to give yourself grace, mm. give yourself grace. So you're going to do these things. You're going to go and do the breath work. You're going to feel things and giving yourself grace to meet yourself where you're at every day, I think is a huge part to incorporate with all of those. Absolutely. I could not, I could not agree more. So, Dr. Haley, where can we find you? How do we get a hold of you? If someone wants to get a hold of Dr. Haley and ask her about her breathwork facilitation and diving into that, some polyvagal theory or anything else, where can we find you? The first place would, and the easiest place would be on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is going to be underscore Haley Turpin, and that is spelled out H-A-L-E-Y. Turpin, T-U-R-P-I-N. I know there's a lot of Haley's out there. <laughs> um, and then on my Instagram, you can send me a direct message. 
truthfully, the best way would be I have a link on my profile that will I'll share a little bit more about my story. And then there will be a link for us to just have about 30 minutes to connect, see where you are, what your needs are. If you know where your needs are, right, we can start there and just see what tools we can provide for you to move forward, um, especially when it comes to the breath. There's just so many things we can do with it that we didn't even dive into today um, and really get to know yourself deeper with that. So that would be the easiest way. Awesome. Guys, ladies, gentlemen, make sure you reach out to Dr. Haley. Dive into breath. Find your purpose. Find gratitude daily. Get an accountability partner to, to dive in. Reach out to Haley. Set up a plan. If you need someone, she is phenomenal. She's helped me. She's helping me. She's going to help me. Um, such a beautiful soul. Dr. Haley, thank you for being here and just spending spending an hour of your time with us tonight. Thank you, Dr. Brent. <laughs> I appreciate it. Awesome. Make sure you all reach out. As always, thank you for being here. It's a Legendary Chiropractor Podcast. We will see you next week. Light and love.